The following resource is brought to you by Real Life Community Church in Richmond, Kentucky. We hope you're both challenged and encouraged by this message from Pastor Chris May. And I want to say, I know most of our volunteer, many of our volunteers are out there still. I just want to say a huge, huge, huge thank you to those volunteers. Um, we've had so many people sacrifice just so much this week, and uh, and they always sacrifice so much. But this has been a a very tiring week for many people to make this service happen. And I'm just grateful for all of our leaders. So that being said, if you have your Bibles today, go to Mark chapter one. Mark chapter one, and uh, I'm going to be starting in just a moment at verse 35. I'll be reading from the ESV. I feel weird not preaching in a suit jacket today. I don't feel like I have the same anointing, so we'll see how flannel works. If I start sounding like a lumberjack, you will know why. Well, I love rising early in the morning. No gasp. My favorite hour of the day, get this, is 4 a.m. It, it didn't take long, though, for me to realize that not many people in Richmond share my passion for getting out of bed before the sun rises. So I come here four years ago, I'll never forget this, to candidate for the lead pastor position. My parents live in Lexington, and so I'm staying with them, and I'm gearing up for service. And on Saturday, before that Sunday morning, I asked the board, what time should I be here tomorrow? And they say to me, the service starts at 10.45 a.m., but you don't have to be there. They said, go ahead and sleep in, whatever. You don't have to be here till 10.30. And I thought, do what? Like, I, I don't have to be at church till 10.30 in the morning. Right? Yeah, you just, you know, sleep in, hang out, whatever. So we get up that morning, and, you know, Colorado time's different. You know, we're still in Colorado time where, we're, where we were living at the time. And uh, we're here in Kentucky. And you know what? It just, it was, it was crazy. We wake up early that morning. And it was just insane. Uh, it was, I, I remember, like, we've been up for a while. It's 8.30. And I'm thinking, like, should we mow the yard? Like, is there yard work that needs to be done? Should we go ahead and cook a lunch and put it in the fridge? Like, what do we do for all this time? Uh, you know, it just, that late start time just kind of just blew my mind. All this to say, I've been a little nervous about starting what we call an early service. Because that sounds like, you know, I don't know if that's going to work in Richmond but we had to do something. Uh, we, we've been out of parking for some time now, and we're about 80% capacity in the sanctuary for second service, and people don't like to squeeze in. They like their room, right? And so um, I'm grateful uh, for this launch today. And in light of it, I want to look at a passage of Scripture in which Jesus rises early. So if you have your Bible, I invite you to go with me to Mark 1:35. and I know you've stood for a long time today. And, uh, but I would ask you, just in honor of the reading of the Word of God, to stand one more time. Mark one thirty-five. The Word of the Lord says this, And rising very early in the morning. So you're in good company today. This is talking about Jesus. While it was still dark, He departed and went out to a desolate place. And there He prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, 
Let us go to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. This is the word of the Lord, and you may be seated. As we look at this passage today, my my point is not really to convince you to get up at a certain hour. I just want to bring out three priorities that are worth getting up for. Three priorities that ought to be a part of your day. And I hope as a church to continue to grow spiritually, numerically. I desire to plant other churches out of our church. But as we grow, listen, we have got to keep the main things the main things. Because we can grow, and if the main things are not the main things, then our growing is in vain. Just because a church is growing does not necessarily mean that it's healthy. Can I get an amen? So we want to grow in a healthy way. So very quickly this morning, I'm going to give you three priorities worth getting up early for. All right? Write this down. Number one, we're going to talk about the priority of prayer. The priority of prayer. In the verses preceding our text today, Jesus is in Capernaum. And it is the Sabbath day. And he spends all day teaching in the synagogue in a way that certainly has people astonished. He's teaching with an authority that they have not quite seen. And he even delivers a man that has an unclean spirit. And if, as if that were not enough, he then heals Peter's mother-in-law. And after the sun goes down that evening, he continues to heal many with, uh, that who are plagued with various diseases and sicknesses. And, and, and he's even still casting out demons. So I want you to think of this. This is a long day. Now, when you have a long day, the tendency is probably to say, you know what, I'm going to do what tomorrow? Sleep in, right? And Jesus does not sleep in that next day. Now, remember this. Though Jesus is 100% God while he was on this earth, he is also 100% man. He is the God incarnate. He gets tired just like we do during that season of his ministry on the earth. So what would compel Jesus to get up early after a very draining day? Well, it's not hard to find this in the Scripture. It's pretty clear. Verse 35, rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed. He went to a desolate place, and there he did what? Take a nap? Cook breakfast? No. Go for a jog? No, he prayed. He prayed. Jesus values prayer. So you can write this down. Here's the main point. As real followers of Jesus, we should start our day at an hour when focused, uninterrupted prayer can happen. So I don't know what that looks like for you, what hour of the day that is for you, but your day ought to start with prayer. Now, some people say to me, Pastor, I just pray throughout the day. How many do that? That's a really good thing to do. The Bible talks about praying without ceasing. But that does not substitute, it does not negate the need to have dedicated communion with God that's uninterrupted. You need both. You need a dedicated time to pray, and you need to pray without ceasing. 
So let me give you just a, uh, a couple reasons here that I believe um, testify as to why we should start our day with prayer. And this is not an exhaustive list. Number one, Jesus begins his day with prayer. And if Jesus does it, how many know we ought to do it? According to Colossians 1.16, think about this. Jesus is the internal God incarnate who created all things, and, and he is the one who holds all things together by his power. Yet, while on earth, Jesus prioritizes prayer. And I would just ask you to really consider this this morning. If we find Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, prioritizing prayer, how much more do we need to live in prayer? Let me say this. You can write this down. You are never so spiritual that you lose your need for prayer. Now, there, there are people who may think, well, you know what, Pastor? You know, I've been saved a long time, and I'm really close to the Lord, so we're kind of just in tune. I don't need to pray as much. But I would say to you, the more that I grow in Christ, and I think this lines up with the Bible, the more we realize that we are dependent every day on prayer. Listen, there is not a moment that I don't need him. The Bible says it's in him that we live and we move and we have our being. That means there's not a moment, not a second that goes by that I am not dependent upon the Lord. Second reason to pray in the morning, beginning the day with prayer, reminds us of our need for God. It reminds us who is on the throne. Part of the model prayer that Jesus gives in the book of Matthew we pray is this. You, you, you know this prayer well, probably. Uh, it is, give us this day, what? Our daily bread. Let me ask you something. Why would you pray that in the evening? The day's gone. No, you pray that in the morning. And you're recognizing, God, my daily bread, my daily needs come from you. I'm not going to try it on my own and say, hey, I'll holler at you if I need you. In Psalm 90, 14, but this will be on the screen, it says this, Satisfy us in the morning, in the morning with your steadfast love. Don't wait till the afternoon or after you had three cups of coffee to call upon the Lord. No, satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all of our days. You know, so many people wait till their day's going horribly, and then they try to catch up on prayer and Bible study. I'll never forget, years ago, uh, my, my family, we, we lived in uh, Tucson, Arizona, and my in-laws come out to visit. And uh, there, there's a place we love to frequent there called Mount Lemon. Now, you, you know, Tucson is desert, very, very hot, but Mount Lemon, you could get away. I mean, you, you go up this mountain, and you could see it from Tucson, and, and you would even at times find snow up there. I mean, you could get relief from the, the horrible heat, you know, it was just a, a great place to visit. Well, <clears throat> my in-laws decide we want to go to Mount Lemon. So we get in my van, my mother-in-law sitting up front, and she looks at the gas tank, and she says, do you think we ought to get gas before we go up? Now, I hadn't been married long enough yet to realize you just do what your mother-in-law says, especially if she's staying with you for a week, all right? And so I said, oh, we're going to be fine. There's no place to get gas on the way up, on the way back. You've got to wait till you get back down the mountain. And so I, I said, oh, we'll be fine. So we go up the mountain, and we're fine. You know, we, we get out. We go to a couple little shops there, enjoy the scenery. We get back in the van. I turn the key, and guess what comes on? 
the gaslight. Ding, ding. And it's got, a, you know, it's got an alarm thing, so she knows it too, right? And a big orange light. And she doesn't say anything, but she says a lot with her eyes. She is eyeing me the whole way down. And I feel her saying to me, uh-huh, you don't know as much as you think you do, right? She was cutting me with her eyes. Amen. So it was really, really interesting. And, and so uh, right home, I'm, I'm coasting down the mountain, trying to keep putting it in neutral, trying not to use a lot of fuel. And, I'm, and she's like braced, you know, she's holding on, thinking we're going to go off a cliff or something. I'm just trying to roll down. And so we kind of coast on fumes when we get to the bottom of the mountain there into the gas station. And here's what I learned that day. It's best not only to listen to your mother-in-law, but it is best to fuel up before you go. That is much easier than being, how many of y'all just been stressed out like, can I make it another mile? Can I make it another mile on this tank of gas? Listen, save yourself some heartache, some stress. Just, just get fuel up before you start. And you know, I have found that to be true in my spiritual life as well. The best thing I can do in the morning is start my day with the spiritual fuel that I need. Rather than saying, oh, I think I can make it another hour before I get in the Word. I think I can make it, you know, maybe, may, maybe just a, a few more minutes before I pray. Oh, Lord, if I just get to work first and then I'll take a break. No, start your day by fueling up in the morning. We need to pray. The late Charles Spurgeon, known as the Prince of Preachers, by the way, is quoted as saying this, I would rather teach one man to pray than ten men to preach. We need to be people of prayer. And we want that to be a mark of real life community church. The second priority worth getting up early for is the priority of community. The priority of community. So Jesus gets up early to spend this dedicated time in prayer, and he is soon interrupted. How many of y'all, when you decide to do something spiritual, you get interrupted? That's why I do it at 4.30 in the morning. It's the only time people don't drive me nuts, all right? Uh, verse 36 says this, And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. Do you ever feel like that person? Like every, everybody needs something from you? And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came. And I want to point out three words in verse 38. Let us go. Let us go. Jesus does not leave the disciples. He says, no, let us go. And one of the clear themes throughout the Bible is that God created us, humankind, to be relational. We are created in the image of God. And I would argue that God is relational. The, the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, within the Godhead there is perfect fellowship. And when he created man, he saw that it was not good for man to be alone. In the New Testament, it is crystal clear that Christians are to do life together. This notion, hear me, don't miss this. This notion that a person can have a relationship with God but not be connected to the people of God through the local church is not the New Testament pattern. It's not there. In Acts chapter 2, after Peter's spirit-empowered sermon, 3,000 people are saved. And we see a clear picture in one verse, Acts 2.42, 
as to what happens then to these people who have just been saved. Watch this. This is the natural progression. Acts 2, 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Okay? So they're hearing the word of God preached and the fellowship. There's community. To the breaking of bread. And here it is again, prayers. Christian community, hear me, is the normal pattern throughout the New Testament. Throughout the gospel, so we see uh, Jesus spending time with people. He hangs out with those who are far from God, and he hangs out with those who are in the church, or at that time would just be his followers. He ministers to the multitudes. He ministers to the disciples. He allows people in. Listen to me, some of you, maybe you have built walls because you have, in your own life, because you've been hurt before. Maybe you have built up walls and you say, you know what, I'm just going to kind of go and hide in church or I'm just going to kind of do my own thing because you've been vulnerable before and you have been hurt before. You say, well, it's just easier to do things on my own and protect my heart. But I want you to know you're missing out if that's where you're at today. Think about Jesus. He made himself vulnerable, didn't he? When he came to earth and he let people in, matter of fact, one of his 12, Judas, would betray him. And Jesus knows that fact, yet he lets him in anyways. I would say that people are worth the risk. And here's what you have to believe. By grace, when you get hurt, God will sustain you. God will sustain you. You are in a church this morning that is made up of imperfect people. And we hopefully will not ever intentionally hurt you, but we will because none of us are perfect. We will hurt one another if we spend enough time together. But we don't run from each other when that happens. We work it out. Why? Because we're family. We're family. And by God's grace, He will sustain us through those things. Yesterday, um, was a, a, a beautiful day for me. Uh, I, you know, I've been on this health journey now, trying to get healthy for, uh, you know, about uh, almost a decade now. At 30 years old, I, I could barely walk up a, a flight of stairs, and I was just determined, listen, I, I want to I be able to be used to my maximum potential for, potential for the glory of God. I want to be really healthy. And so I, I've been on this health journey, and, and my friend uh, Justin is back in the back. He's my personal trainer, and he's helped me so much. Uh, it's been life-changing. But I shared with you about a, a month ago that I hate to run. I did a series on running in the right direction, and I talked to you about I just hate to run. But I know that running is good for you. And so my goal, I had a goal kind of in the back of my, my mind, uh, was to run a 5K. And we had an opportunity yesterday to run a 5K now, I have never in my life that I remember it, it, during any of this health journey, I've never run more than a mile and a half without stopping. In a 5K, it's three miles, right? And I thought, ah, you know, I don't know if I can do this. But Bob Stamper up here, he's, a, he's kind of a, a pro runner, and he says, ah, you can do it. Come on. Uh, and so, you know, I had a little accountability. I knew Bob's showing up at 7, what, about 7.15. I've got to show up. Now, guys, listen, I was a little nervous, to be honest, when I got there. I thought, man, I'm, I'm going to get to about a mile, mile and a half, and I'm going to have to walk. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But I, I was nervous. And uh, Bob did just one of the kindest things. He said, Chris, he said, I'll run with you. Now, 
he, he may not admit this, but Bob probably could have won yesterday or come close to it, at least in his age category. He stayed with me the entire time, and we ran um, three miles in just under 27 minutes. And for me, my goal was to run in 30, and we never stopped uh, the, you know, the entire time. We, we stopped for like three seconds to tie a shoe and maybe five seconds for a, uh, a drink of water, and we made it without running. And, and I remember about two and a half miles in, my side was hurting. I mean, it, it was starting to get to me. I cycled 25 miles, 30 miles, but this is a different, uh, th- this is different, running's different, and I'm, I mean, I'm just hurting, and uh, just having Bob there next to me go, man, come on, keep going, and he's talking to me, we're talking theology on the, you know, on, on this run, and it distracted me, and I, I want you to know this, I don't know if I could have done it without the help of somebody else, and I just, I want you to know, if you're trying to do life alone, you are missing out. I know you've been hurt. You don't think I have? I've been in ministry 20 years. I've been all, all but killed by church folks, all right? But I wouldn't trade you for anything because doing life together is better. We need community. Jesus bids them come. Remember when Jesus sends out uh, the 72 disciples? And no word in the, in the Bible is there by accident, by the way. Words matter. And it doesn't say he sent them out without any explanation. It doesn't say he sent them out one by one. What's it say in the book of Luke chapter 10? He sent them out two by two because there's something about having somebody with you. And as we do ministry together, listen, we want to do it together. We want to be in community. Our church name is very purposeful. It's not just real life church. It is real life community church because we are about community and that needs to be a priority. Number three, the third priority is this. It's the priority of the gospel. If you've been at this church any time, you know how near and dear the gospel is to my heart. It should be the near and dear to the heart of every Christian. I hope you never get tired of hearing the gospel. Verse 36, let's start there again. And Simon and those who were around him searched for Jesus. They found him. They said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also. Watch this. For that is why I came out. Now, what is it that Jesus is preaching? Well, if you go up to Mark chapter 1 and verse 14, we see what Jesus has been preaching. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. What's his message? It is the gospel. And we see throughout Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, Jesus preaches and teaches many things, but ultimately all of these point to the gospel. What is the gospel? It is the good news that Jesus has come and the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus has come that we might through faith move from the wrath of God into the kingdom of God. By Christ, this is great news. We, we are able to move from, uh, from death into life, from darkness into light. Friends, this is tremendous news, and it is news that needs to be proclaimed. Anybody sick of fake news? How many saw the weather report that that was, like, uh, messed up, like it was was a setup? It looked like a man being blown away by a hurricane. 
Right? And, and it's just a setup to make you think something is true that is not true. People need the truth because it is the truth that will set you free. And we need to be shaped not by a news team. We need to be shaped by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We need the gospel. It needs to be priority. The previous verses in Mark chapter 1, we find Jesus teaching and performing all kinds of miracles in Capernaum. Think about this. I mean, remember, he was in, he was in the, uh, they're, they're teaching in the synagogue, and then all, now he's, then, then he healed Peter's mother-in-law. Then he's doing all these incredible miracles, healing all these diseases. And so the disciples find him when Jesus is alone praying. They're kind of frantic going, Jesus, there's a healing line lined up. I mean, people are looking for you. Word spreads quickly when that kind of thing happens. Amen? The crowds are looking for you. But what's interesting here is that Jesus doesn't go back to those people who are waiting for him. He doesn't want to be seen, and, and hear this word well, just as a healer. Is he a healer of physical things? We believe that. But he doesn't want to be seen mainly, I should say, ultimately as that, some miracle worker. His concern ultimately and mostly is for a sickness that is not just about the body, but it's about the soul. It's the sickness of sin. And here's what the physical miracles do. I'm grateful for those, and we believe those still happen today. You know what those do? Those, those give Jesus a platform. Shows that he has authority. It gives him the ear of, of the people who he's trying to reach. It's not an, those miracles are not an end in and of themselves. There are crowds of people who are looking for the miracle worker, but Jesus doesn't go back to them at this point. He says, let us go on to the next town that I may preach there, for that's why I came out. And I would say that Jesus' primary reason for coming to us is the simple fact that we could not save ourselves. There's nothing we could do about our spiritual condition. Because here's the truth of the good news. You get to, to understand the beauty of that good news, you've got to understand the bad news first. It's that our hearts are extremely wicked and so far from God. And we are, without Christ, we are under the wrath of God. You've got to understand that or you don't know why Jesus' death and burial and resurrection is massively good news. He came to heal those spiritual wounds. In Matthew 121, an angel of the Lord appears to Joseph and says that Mary is with child. He says, you shall call his name Jesus for he will save people from their sins. That's why he comes. Are there other things as well? Yes. But the main reason Jesus comes is to make us right with God. Think about healings. I'm grateful for healings. I've been healed. We believe in those things. I don't want to negate those things. We believe we're continuous. We believe that, that those, are still, those things still happen today. I've experienced them in my life. Matter of fact, I wouldn't be standing here if it were not for the miraculous, mighty touch of God. But those miracles are temporary at best. Should the Lord tarry, I will die one day. But what God has done in my soul, what he's done just for, on my behalf to bring me into the favor and the kingdom of God, that will last an eternity. And in eternity, great news, I'll never be sick again. Amen? It's great news. 
So in closing, I'd invite uh, the butch if you would come. Let me say this. I don't believe that it's any accident that in the last days, we're tempted to keep our lives jam-packed with trivial things. Can I just implore you, do not let the good things keep you from the best things. There are priorities that we need. There are priorities that we need. It's easy today, isn't it, to get engulfed in our own lives, not see the people around us, not remember the reason that we are here. One of the things I love about getting up early, this is the reason, honestly, I do it, is that I have plenty of time to spend with the Lord and to be intentional about my day. And I think we all need to be more intentional about our days. Listen, if you wake up five minutes before you need to leave for work and you start your day by running out the door frantically, you'll be chasing your tail all day and you'll never get a moment to sit down and just rest and be still in the Lord. Listen, people make fun of me because I go to bed about 9 o'clock in the evening. They're like, you know, you're like an old man. I'm like, well, call me what you will. But I just like, I like my sleep. I need my sleep. But it allows me to get up and to be intentional about my day. That's how important my time with the Lord is to me. And I, there are mornings, I'll confess to you that I miss. Matter of fact, Monday mornings are really tough after a long Sunday to get up that early. But I try my best. We all need to be more intentional about the way we're spending our days. So I hope today, by God's grace, you will resolve to prioritize these three things. Number one, daily personal time in the Word and prayer. Coffee is not the main fuel that you need in the morning to start your day. Friends, it's communion with the Lord. If you think about coffee more than you think about Jesus, your life might be out of balance. Number two, prioritize Christian community. Get involved. You'll find some application questions at the bottom of your notes. I hope you'll think through this week. Volunteer your time. There, there's nothing like, there, there's no better way to build community than to work with, with the people of the church. It's just great. Build friendships within the church. Don't come at the last minute and leave at the last minute. I've had people do that. They, they, they come late, they leave early and go, I don't know, the church seems so unfriendly. We never get to build any relationships. I'm like, well, maybe if you, like, came to church, like, that would be awesome. That'd be a great starting point. Like, I, I don't encourage people to talk during the service, so maybe before or after would be a, a great time of, of fellowship. Number three, and I can't stress this enough, prioritize the gospel. Share the good news of Jesus Christ with everyone. Should you pray for the sick? Yes. The Bible tells us to. Should you believe God for those things? Absolutely. I, I don't want you to mistake my words today. But the most important thing, the most important thing of this church is that the gospel is proclaimed. Because if you get a healing and you don't understand the gospel, you haven't really received anything. The gospel is what will change your life. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you have not brought, been brought from darkness into light from death into life if you're still under the wrath of God I would encourage you today call upon the name of the Lord repent believe we'd love that Christy's going to tell you in a moment how you can talk to me in just a moment 
And I'd love to meet with you and, and, and talk to you more about this. But let me leave you with this, assuming I'm talking to mostly Christians here. There are many of us who rub shoulders, all of us rub shoulders with people every day who are far from God, who need the Lord. What they need most is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I would just say, proclaim first the bad news. Okay, be careful how you say this, but uh, that we are far from God because of our sin. We don't pull any punches there. But tell them the good news, the saving hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Yes, we're apart from God because of our sin. But Christ came and he lived a perfect life. He paid the penalty of our sin through his death on the cross. And now he's raised, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And today, by grace, through faith, in the person and the work of Jesus Christ, we can truly be saved and know that we have eternal life. Saved from our sins. And friends, I know it's early, but there is simply no better news that exists. That's why we are here. Don't get distracted. Don't let a job, don't let a, a person, don't let a relationship distract you from that. It's about Jesus and who we are in Him. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more about how you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ, or if you have questions about our church, you can email us at info at myrealchurch.org. Real Life Community Church is located at 335 Glendon Avenue in Richmond, Kentucky. We invite you to join us for worship Sunday at 1045 a.m. or Wednesday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at myrealchurch.org.